Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Work, a podcast that I co-host with my colleague, John Sumser. Today, we are absolutely delighted to have someone join us who we taught a master class in HCM with, albeit a few years back, uh, a wildly successful event, I might add. He is famous and infamous at the same time, and his name is William Tincup. William, welcome to the work, and please introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure, sure. I'm wondering how long, why it took so long for me to be on the podcast. I see, this is my ego. <laughs> Run amok. You start a podcast, I see guest, and then guest, and then guest. I'm like, really? Really? They paid us, William. They oh, yeah, paid well, us. No, that, uh, we didn't get it, any money from you. So, so, so you, should, you should know better than anybody that you don't lead with the obvious. <laughs> so, so, yes, my bruised ego aside, I changed my, in LinkedIn, I changed my my title uh, a couple months back to Thought Provocateur, which really is kind of a throwback to uh, a lingerie company called Agent Provocateur. Uh, they, they create really, really expensive lingerie. But the whole idea of being a provocateur is just something that I think all three of us do where we challenge the status quo. We look at something and go, why is it done that way? Why do we do it that way? I mean, we've had offline and online, we've had thousands of conversations and let's just looking at things that seem obvious to us that aren't obvious to others. And so it used to be a little Wayne quote for a decade. Um, and then finally I changed it to that. But, you know, I think the industry after, after we've all studied the industry long enough to say the industry perceives us in a way that we probably don't perceive ourselves. So, you know, people might perceive me as a thought leader I don't necessarily perceive myself that way. Um, the thought, the industry at times might think of me as an analyst, but I don't necessarily think of myself that way. So I'm kind of caught in a conundrum, an interesting conundrum of or an identity crisis, if you will, of who I am and who other people think I am. Uh, I'm just uh, kind of an ordinary person that enjoys having conversations with people and learning, uh, specifically about HR and recruiting. And I'm constantly pushing myself and others to kind of rethink things. And sometimes that works out and sometimes that explodes in my hands. This is actually a very interesting thread you're pulling on because it's reminding me of, you know, who we are, but then what we do and how oftentimes the what we do is how people put labels on us. Yep. And and stick us in a swim lane we never wanted to be in in the first place. Or, 100%, 100%. You know, and, and that's really problematic as you go through your career. Um, do you think that's changing? Do you think job hierarchies are changing? No, not at all. We're just getting dumber. Um, and I think it's something to do with our brains wanting to compartmentalize things and make things simple. So the complexity of life and what we see and what we hear forces us into our little mouse brain of like, okay, Gene works at PR firm and that's all. Well, Gene's also uh, knowledgeable about the industry, worked in the industry and is uh, multifaceted like a crystal. But again, mouse brain wants to say PR firm and the one little slice. And I think we've all been categorized or miscategorized in this way through our lives 
And again, I think it does have to do with, you know, our interests change. That's the interesting thing about the three of us is our interests, our hobbies, and kind of things that perplex us and all that stuff. It changes. And other people are like five and six years behind with something that we were interested in. Like, you know, I'll get uh I'll get emails or calls about something that I was it was really top of mind maybe six or seven years ago. And it's like, yeah, I'm uh hmm, I'm done with that. I've already consumed Yeah, I'm always that. amazed by that. Yeah. And I'm moved yeah. on to another thing that's kind of interesting. Yeah. But I think it's just how we make things uh easier for us to congest and uh, and and digest and put things into little bitty categories, little bitty boxes in our brains. I actually do think it's changing. I, I think it's changing, and I, I don't think it's changing. The optimist, John Sumser. All right, good. <laughs> Holy shit, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> well, you, you you know the 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 I gotta fit into a box thing um, is an artifact of a combination of the industrial era and the right. baby boom generation. You had all these people coming through the tube, right? And you had to put them in boxes. Yep. Had to. And, th- and then then I look at uh, people who are my kids' age and younger, um, and they don't want boxes. Not at all. They, 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 and, and so, so like, like what used to be obvious, you get a job and you want more responsibility so you can get more money, blah, 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 blah. Like there was that. a ladder. There was a career ladder. There, it was there was, a, la- there yeah. was a ladder. I know a whole lot of people who are 40 and under who go, well, yeah. I don't want to walk under the ladder and I don't want to go up the ladder because if you go up the ladder, you're going to fall off. Uh, and if you go under it, it turns out it might be bad luck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so, so can I do something that I'm interested in, please? Um, yeah. Now that, yeah. I'm, that I'm envious uh, about, I, uh, I'm envious of half the, gen- uh, the millennials and all of Gen Z for this very reason, John, it's, it's that they're not willing to put up with what we put up with. Because what we put up with is what we knew. And we didn't we didn't think of, well, I mean, again, when someone said, this is your career, we we're like, yep, makes sense. This is my career. And we kind of went on to it and we didn't really challenge that. And what I love about younger people just in general is they're just not willing to put up with that, which I, I like. It's, it is going to force us to change. There's a difference, right? Right. As as I was growing up, you competed for everything. Right. You competed for everything because there was never enough to go around. That's and right. that's that's family size. Right. Starts starts a family size. If you're not at dinner on time, there's no food. Turns out um, that's how it is. Because because the rest of the people are grabbing for the food. Ozzy and Harriet 101. <laughs> now now you go and and the the um Average family size is under two kids. There's no competition, right? Right. There's no resource competition, right? And and when you go out into the marketplace, you know this thing about there being a major worker shortage. That's not a temporary thing. That's no. the face of the world going forward, and th- and that means that the um, that the people who come up through the ranks now are never going to be in the position of having to fit in a box to compete. That's right. Um, um, and, they won't even know if there's a box. They won't even care that there is a box. That's and they'll right. probably even mock the people that think there is a box. And it's, it reminds me of a, a phrase that someone used on me uh, a couple of months ago that basically the containers of yesterday 
are we can't hold the, won't be the containers of tomorrow. They're not even the containers of today, and which is kind of what we're nibbling around the edges. Is just is watching how we looked at our careers, and even our contemporaries looked at their careers, and how people younger than us look at that and say that's gigs. Like my sons, uh, both in Gen Z, they they don't say work, they don't say career, they don't say job. Like when I say something to them, like, oh, that's a pretty cool gig. Like they don't. It's think temporary. It's temporary. Everything's and, uh, temporary. Yeah. I was asked yeah. this week, I'm like, are we in a candidate driven market or an employer driven market? I'm like, yeah, you need to delete both those worlds, mm-hmm. words. And uh, we're in a candidate driven world, period, because they drive. And so getting over ourselves and getting over whatever employer we are working with, the candidates drive and they're going to continue to John's point. They're going to continue to drive from here forth. Yep. Yep. So, so Gene and I were talking before the show started about um, neurodiversity. Yep. Um, and um, I, I watched a um, an amazing video by a guy named John Elder Robeson, who is um, it's a it's a story you'd love. He was oh, cool. um, uh, a complete failure as a student until some grad students allowed him to play around in the basement of the electronics lab. Right, went on to become the sound man for Pink Floyd and designed <laughs> all of Kiss's exploding guitars and quit that and went to work for Milton Bradley uh, designing the first video games and quit that and opened a car uh, yeah. restoration service. Yeah. And the guy is highly autistic yep. um, and tells the best stories about the miraculous superpowers that people who are neurodiverse bring with them and that they don't fit in boxes and i think i think because we're going to have to rethink what constitutes value in the workplace that we're going to start opening up some of those boxes and we're going to have to and seeing what's in there and our systems will fail to solve for that that's right, because everyone that's looking at what used to be competency models and uh, now uh, the nouveau riche way of talking about skills, is, again, some of these folks don't fit in nicely into those models, any of those models, both the historic models or even the ones we're coming up now, where it's just about skills and experience and potentiality. They don't fit. And I mean, I, I deal with this on the uh, more on the artistic side, not autistic side, although sometimes those are similar, um, is a lot of artists are troubled individuals. They have all kinds of different things, uh, alcoholism, bipolar, all kinds of different stuff going on. That's how they can create great art. Like I myself have what's called hypomania. It's a form of what's now called bipolar, but what used to be called uh, uh whatever mania um and which means that basically i'm always manic i'm never not manic and less medicated but when i'm in depression so when we used to have called manic depressive mm-hmm. we used mm-hmm. to call it that then i called bipolar it's been rebranded evidently it seems better that way so when i'm in depressive it's suicidal mm-hmm. so uh again so very extreme yeah, yeah so the thing extreme. is is uh, I think a lot of artists, again, if you historically, if you were to look at some of the great 
musicians or any of those types of folks, I think they're none of them fit in any of those boxes. I mean, John, neurologically or otherwise, uh, I think you're you're dealing with how their brain works differently, and I'm I'm also thinking about how their personality and chemi- the brain chemistry is different, and maybe even some genetics mixed in there for fun. But it's yeah. again, if you want that talent, if you want that innovation, if we'll you actually see that, want that, yeah. you're going to have to get there differently. Not everyone's going to want the innovation. So, so I, I hear you 100% on on the artistic community. I mean, I think Van Gogh, for example, is uh, is probably our most readily recognizable comprehensive yeah. story that we can all point to in oh, terms yeah. of of that. Uh, I I look at where did the boxes start. And the boxes started, of course, in the industrial, the early stages of the industrial age, and then were reinforced by World War II, the military action, and your talent coming out and coming back into the community. There will always be people who are more comfortable with structure than a lack of structure. So So how do you address that? Well, the question I've struggled with as it relates to this is gender. Because both those things were dominated uh, by men. Mm-hmm. They're created True. in, in yeah. Yeah. Uh, right? proselytized by, by men. So structurally, if you come out of that, can you, de- can, you de- can you get rid of the gender that's inherent in those systems? Right? Probably not in one generation. I, I don't it's, see how that's possible. I, probably not in three generations. Yeah. It's yeah. going to well, take... Because, 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 like, okay, you get to a certain point, and still, there's, I mean, there's still people that even, like, we can say it's generational, but some of it's not generational. Some of it's people, like, like, I when I taught at the University of Arizona, John and I have talked about this before, but I did this bit my first semester where I didn't have a, I didn't have a syllabus. I wanted to teach. I wanted to actually have conversations and arguments and you know stuff, read some stuff, talk to kids, etc. And half the kids in my class wanted a syllabus and half the kids in my class were like, cool, we just show up and talk. Yeah, great. Done deal. (laughs) And so I think so some of that's generational, as we've already noted, and some of it's just some people want structure. Some people need structure also. That's their comfort zone. Right. Um, you know, you're you're talking about kind of the mouse brain earlier. I mean, right. some people need to, you know, they they need guardrails. Well, how many um, times have you all put this podcast together, and you've interacted with somebody, and they could, can you send me the questions in advance? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> John, John, <laughs> the answer is is no. You there are no questions that, but you are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. Probably, right. I would say easily eighty five percent of the time, we so, at least get asked the question. Yeah, of course, of so. course. So, so I, 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 John, I interrupted you when you're you're about to to tackle the same con, uh, the the construct of the military complex and industrial revolution, and how do we get out of some of the things that were good about that, but also carry those forth. But some of the things that were just horrible ideas. Yeah, I just I, the the thing that I, that is my pushback is that stuff sort of happened overnight. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the case before the the advent of the industrial era that right. um, people that structure was available. The, right. the closest thing Good to point. structure was what you found in the church, right? And so I was going to say it was religion. You were in an it, agricultural it, society. Right, which was chaotic because it's based on nature. 
Yeah. And so so now there's this momentary aberration. You've got 100,000 years of human history where people are used to dealing with structure. <laughs> yeah. Structure is, did it rain last night? Um, do we have food today okay, right. do yeah, we have yeah, food yeah, left yeah. in the yeah and we eat that thing um yeah. to to this more um um growth oriented structured thing but this we're in the aberration we're not in the norm we're not the way it's always been we are um and so so i think I think it can end as fast as it started. Um, I don't disagree. Uh, right, and so so what's it going? What what does it take? Well, maybe ten years from now, when the middle of the country is full of climate refugees because their houses got <laughs> flooded, yeah, some things will change. Or yeah. or well, maybe or maybe Chat GPT will take over the world. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, well, at Gosh, least it, at least it'll be marketed me. that way for sure. <laughs> it'll be marketed that way, which I know we, I know we need to touch on because yes, we're we're we've been through the I call them waves, but y'all probably have different better words for these. But it's uh, on-prem to SaaS, social, mobile, responsive AI, like these just different these waves of I call fads, but waves of stuff that comes to our market. And then the vendors all over index and all over market, all on these things. The practitioners, of course, have no idea what most of those things are. Right. For Nor free. do they care because they're, they... they're doing their day job. Turns out that's actually not what they care. Does, how does the, the, you know, how does, how does that work? No one really cares how that works. But I think the thing that I'm, I'm coming to grips with, with uh, chat, GPT, which is a horrible name in and of itself. Uh, hopefully they'll rebrand that. But the idea is that these large language models are great for generic things. They, they will get you there fast with generic, which, again, it, it I guess that's great. We'll just put an, an asterisk next to that. But the thing is, is it's going to be marketed, whether or not it's it's going to be infused into everything that we see in the next three to four years of HR tech and work tech in recruiting and performance management and, and just name a place and someone will say it's infused with chat P GPT. Great. It the, still sounds like a pesticide to me. It, I, just to, I just have to mention does. that. It's something that will kill you. Yeah, anyway, right. Overexposure to chat PDP. Exactly. You see those lawyer commercials? That, That's did right. You, did you suffer from chat PDP? <laughs> call the office of Johnson, Johnson, and Johnson. Class action suit. But it's, it's, it's going to be over-marketed uh, for a while. So we're going to have to get past that. Meanwhile... There is there is some things that are really interesting about it. I mean, I think when we look at it and play around with it and try stuff, like write a uh, write a write a thank you note to someone I've known for twenty five years, uh, or, or you know write a rejection letter for a software engineer that I've been courting for two years. You know, then it breaks and it breaks wildly. And uh, I think what's interesting about it is it's going to be over marketed. So we're going to have to deal with it. We can't, the three of us, we can't put our heads in the sand and, and want it to go away. It's it's all of the vendors are going to be 
bombing us and bombing the practitioner community with everything that's infused and how it makes things better. And hopefully the hope is in long-term, it does fulfill on some of those promises. Short-term, it's what we learned probably in high school uh, from our parents is uh, maybe in college, but it's you never sign a contract unless you've read it or an attorney's read it. That's going to be what, what's going to be the interaction that humans will have with the technology is it will do its thing. And then you still have to do your thing, whatever it is. If it's a performance management review or if it's whatever, again, you can put it anywhere, job description, anywhere you want to place it, it can do things faster and probably pull from a lot of different sources and pull something together that might be almost there. But if you sign your name and you send it out uh, without looking at it, you do it at your own peril at this phase on, on any level with, with it because the text, the text's not built for uh, specificity. It's not built for personalization yet. Some argue that, that study large language models that it will ever be that way. So I don't know what the future is other than the marketing that we will get inundated with. I do know- Which has already started. It, you, The three of us are going to get slammed and all these people that we care about, the practitioners and the vendors, they're going to say, hey, we need to do, we got to get on board. We got to get on board with this. We got to tell everybody that we're doing this thing about this thing that no one cares about. Um, so I, I, I'm optimistic. Uh, but it's, it's like I was telling somebody earlier, I'm like, do you remember the first time you interacted with Siri? Yeah. She was stupid. Uh, do you remember the first time you did voice the text? Yeah. It turns out it sucked. You remember Yahoo maps? Yeah. They were horrible. So the first couple waves of any of these things are always a little choppy. This is, this one's got a lot of cool potential. I mean, I think we've all played around with it enough. They're like, oh, that's kind of cool. But the edges of where it breaks is, uh, especially as it relates to work tech, is is there's real ramifications there that we probably need to make sure that we have a human element, a, um, a layer or a wrapper before we put anything in front of an audience. So, so I guess what I guess what I, I'd say back to you, William, is. If you look at the raw output of these tools, that's never going to be right. That's, that's right. never, ever going to be right. right. But it's easy to miss the fact that what these things are really, really good at is structure. 100%. Uh, right. And um, so that means that that the, sure, there will be a bunch of idiots selling <laughs> Fake Gucci watches at HR Tech. They right? go well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Tons of that. Tons of that. But, right, right. But we'll but create a will, drinking game. The whole bit. Yep. There, there will be people who have been working diligently already on right. the very difficult, very time-consuming work of quantifying internal knowledge at organizations and marry that right. with tools that are good at creating structure, and you'll get what. What would be, you know, what we have right now, we have right now is, I got my first PC in 1981. Right. And, and in about 1983, we started to have this desktop metaphor. <laughs> and, and the desktop metaphor means we took all of the forms that were in the in-basket and we put them on our desks. And everything that you see that pretends to be HR tech software is just a paper form that's on that's, the desk. That's and right. We, 
We, right. we call that digital transformation. <laughs> right, right. Poof. It's no longer paper. It's a form. That's right. It's it was on a post-it. It was on a post-it. Then it moved to a piece of paper. Right. Paper then moved to a wipe-off board. And, and now it's yeah. And we're gonna database. be able we're gonna be able to make your experience really good because we'll put your name on the form before you open up the forum so you don't have to do that. It's personalized, yes. Right. It's personalized. right. So so that was great. That was great. And that's how you get from one technology to the next technology. But this thing opens the door yeah. to conversations that are about what I want to talk about rather than the forum, the box that you want me to enter. Right. And it's early and it's rough and it's primitive. Um, it has it has great potential. You, you know, you know your grand your grandchildren. Assuming assuming that your your boys wait a while. Um, oh, <laughs> you never know. I've got one that may and one may not. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, fifty yeah. fifty with me. <laughs> yeah, I got I got uh, that. Your, your grandchildren are going to say, "Grandpa, did you really fill out forms on the internet?" <laughs> Crazy talk. John, I, I thought about you this week because uh, this is off uh, chat GDP and more on AI in general. Um, this, there's a company called WorkFusion, and it's out of uh, New York, and they build digital workers. So it's AI, right. but it's personas. So Tara or Jimmy or whatever the name of the person is, Kendrick, and all these, they're in the financial services industry. And all these digital workers do is go through large data sets and look for uh, um, aberrations or they look for errors or things like that. And then they kick them over to a human and go, is this an error? Right. And then the, and then the humans either says, yes, it is. We'll, we'll, take, we'll take it from here or no, it isn't. And then the machine learns faster. Those digital workers uh, from an AI perspective – and from a work perspective, I mean, they've literally branded them as workers and that they're, they're working on these tasks. And the task is consume a large amount of data and look for errors. But they've and given it, them names. Uh, it's them the names. same construct, though. Yes. It, it, these are your That's new right. colleagues at work. That's right. That's so, right. So, so, Here's Tara. And yeah. Tara, Tara doesn't yeah. have to take a break. Tara, Tara's not taking Monday off of President's Day. <laughs> Tara's not getting married or, or yeah. having a baby. Yeah. Tara's I'm... going through data and uh, like actuarial tables and things like that, like all this large data. And I, I found it fascinating as, as he was talking about, I'm like, you really need to talk to John because he'd love to know more about what they're doing because they're literally doing a task that humans don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. We don't need to go look and let a large Excel spreadsheets and look for errors. There's a better way. So, so, so the interesting thing there is there have been algorithms that do what right. you're talking about for 20 years. Right. right. Error spotting patterns, right. spotting algorithms. Right. That's that's how all the terrorism bullshit works. You know, yeah, yeah, this, is, yeah. this is this is not new. Yeah. But the trouble with algorithms is. It's really hard to derive SaaS revenue from an algorithm, and the investors all want SaaS revenue. That's right. And That's so, right. and so, if you call an algorithm, Frank, Tara, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, meet Jimmy. 
Yeah. Yeah. You, could, you could you could you could rent Frank by the hour, but that's the exactly al- right. The algorithm exactly. the algorithm is just a loop that runs and runs and runs and it's runs. All- and if you call it Frank, it's still a loop that runs and runs and runs and runs. And the idea that you should pay it by the hour is nonsense. Frank, stop that's joining cool. a union anytime soon, and and Frank will get smarter. That is cool. The one thing I think that is quite cool to see those things. You're right. In healthcare coding. They've had those algorithms for years that look for those you know, overbill, underbill, wrong code, all of that type of stuff. So it's just it was fascinating to think of them as workers. Like that was the far part of my mind is actually getting to yeah. your point, John, is like, oh, okay, okay. Like they've literally built names and personas and faces. This is great. This is great. Well. <laughs> Yeah, how, change how, some things, but don't change everything. I mean, still does, tap into familiarity. Right. Yeah. yeah. How to sell something that isn't worth anything. This is a great. <laughs> <laughs> what a great model. What a great model. <laughs> Why? Why didn't we think of that? Everybody, <laughs> how, how, how did the three of us miss that one? <laughs> I, I was down in Florida one time and uh, I was at the beach Guy next to me, I was smoking a cigar, and he 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 commented on my cigar. I said, hey, "Man, I got a ton of cigars." He goes, "I'd love to. I'd love to have one." So we're getting to talk, and then I said, "And he's a little bit old. I mean, he's older, and uh, clearly wealthy." And I said, "Man, how'd you make your money? Like, what what you know, what'd you do?" He goes, "You know the little top on the on the on the top of the beer or Coke, the little tab. Remember the pull tab? Yeah, pull tab. Sure. Yeah, he invented that. That was his invention." <laughs> So the fact he was wearing jewelry made out of pull tabs was just, not a tip off to you. He just he just literally he's like, yeah, I just one day I wow. just looked at it. I'm like, I said, there's got to be a better way. I'm like, ah, no algorithm oh, involved. What am I doing? Why is it so hard? This guy built literally failed. That's it. Send him a note and say, you know, your your comeback <laughs> ought to be name those things and give them personas <laughs> exactly. and call them workers. <laughs> this, this is exactly. Ginny. Exactly. <laughs> right. This is Ginny. Exactly. This is Ginny. She's mailed for she's made for people that care about their nails. Oh, great. <laughs> Especially for flight attendants who have to pop all those cans. See? Open. They just they look angry too. As they do it's it, the utility like, of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm so sorry that we are almost out of time, gentlemen. I mean, this conversation could go on easily for the next few hours. It looks like John might want to say something to. No, no, I don't want to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) You are. It's all been said. It's all been said. You did. You did have a a question actually. We were going back and forth for an email about uh, Henry about children and what they're doing in their future. It is fascinating. He's fascinating. Well, so he clearly takes after your wife. Clearly. So <laughs> 7 30 in the morning, I wake him up, got Van and Henry on the couch. We're talking about their day and work. They're off today. And Henry goes, Dad, I was, I was dreaming about this. He goes, I want to make for tanks, I want to make missiles that are more like uh, they have missiles inside of them. So you know how a tank metal missile works. So Van and I are looking at him like, yeah, sure. He goes, well, when it hit, it explodes, it hits armament. There's another missile inside of it that then goes through. He goes, I want to create another missile inside of that, like a hollow point. That once it hits armament, one missile goes through and then another missile goes through that. I'm like, you should probably, uh, you should probably look into that. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Like, that's what? amazing. I, I have to act like I know what he's talking about. Yeah. 
no idea him, what he's talking about. Get him to London. Get him to <laughs> London and have him go to the uh, armory in the Tower of London. Oh. Um, because the armory in the Tower of London oh, is, the, is the best display of the call and response of technology over time. Oh, and, you would love that. Um, and so this kind of idea, which is that you put some sort of a weapon inside of some other sort of weapon, right. shows up periodically in the history right. of technology. Um, Trojan Horse was probably the first example of it, right? Um, he, would, but, he would love that. But you should take him. You should I'll, just I'll, quit what you're doing today and get on a plane and go to London it, and go the, to the Tower of London. So the fascinating thing, when your kids went to uh, college, most of it, even when we went to college, uh, most of it was based on our grades and our SAT score, right? Yep. Throw all that out. Because now the application process to pretty much all schools now, not a, not just liberal arts schools, but uh, Stanford and West Point and wherever you would like to go, they they don't look at scores. It's, it's in some cases you can't even submit scores or grades. It's your resume, and so so what's fascinating from a work perspective is they were thinking about their, the 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 idea was. These scores were culturally biased, wrought with bias, right? Because some people are privileged, go to private school. They can obviously afford to get better grades or whatever. Um, and some of the tests are kind of geared towards white people, whatever. The irony of that is if you look at someone's resume, if three college advisors look at the same resume, how the hell is there not more bias in that? than there was in, in SAT scores and grades. So when you're asking me about Henry, he's got a resume right now that is better than I had when I was 30. His resume today, right now, two-page resume is better than what I had when I was 30. And it's because this of This makes the... me very nervous. <laughs> it, it, seriously, no, because you're leaving a lot of kids behind who... <laughs> are developing at a different rate. To John's point earlier about neurodiverse. Yeah. How does that fit into a resume? Right. Right. They at least have a chance on a standardized test. Exactly. That that gets lost. So I mean yeah. that's what's again, it's almost like the with the path to hell is paved with good intentions. The people that then thought that let's get rid of this bias over here, they're not thinking about the unintended consequences that are created over here. As a parent of a kid that's about to go to college uh, year after next, I've just got to play the game. But at the same time, I can analyze it and say, yeah, that's wrong. Like what we're doing right now in college admissions is just wrong. And it's, I think it's going to be worse for people, not better. I think we have to come back to you on this topic because I think um, we're very broken higher education system in this country. And uh, this is definitely a topic that yep. you're living, you're living firsthand yep. yes, I with am. A, a child that's going into this, uh, into this cycle. Yeah. So. Well, cool. absolutely. Well, y'all, this was wonderful. Thank you for making me your 180th guest. Uh, <laughs> just Jeez, kidding. I thought there was an extra zero in there. How'd that yeah, happen? Yeah. 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 <laughs> 1800, William. Come on. We couldn't figure out how to put it off any longer. <laughs> William, you know how much everyone loves you. And oh, we're no. so glad to be part of that 
Not everyone, but that's okay. okay. <laughs> well, we don't need to name names. <laughs> no, 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 we should not. We shan't. We shan't uh, so, do that. It's wonderful talking to both of y'all. So, so, so before we wrap this up, uh, please tell people how to get a hold of you and, and maybe even tell them why they might want to. Google would uh, probably be the easiest. Just put your, put my name, actually just put 10 cup in there. Probably find me that way, but really it's super easy to find me. It's kind of a John. I use it as a litmus test of if you can't find me on the internet, I probably don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, I totally get that. You know what I'm saying? Like we've, totally we've crossed over that. into an area where I should, we should. <laughs> we don't talk. need to go, right? Should, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so why you would want to to reach out is just if you want to talk. Like I talk to. Uh, practitioners and vendors alike i just like having great conversations so like y'all you're very generous with your time thank you well thanks for being thanks for being with us absolutely thank you for having me yep you've been listening to the work a podcast that i host with gina killy every so often and today we've been talking with mr william tincup um and he is the head of william tincupping Thanks, and we'll see you next time around.